This episode is sponsored by SpinUp WP. I don't work on SpinUp WP myself, but it is designed and built by our team here at Delicious Brains. I've actually been a user since day one, and now I'm hosting all my WordPress sites, from my development sites, my staging sites, and all the way to my production sites, and even the e-commerce ones. For me, SpinUp WP means that I just don't need to worry about having large hosting costs, or even having to get into the nitty gritty of managing the server myself. I just get blazing fast and performance WordPress sites without even having to touch the command line, unless I want to. Over the years, I've gone from trying cheap shared hosting to then struggling to manage my own VPS. SpinUp WP has solved those struggles and just made managing my own VPS not just easy, but a wonderful experience. The UI is top notch and I find myself excited when I have to use it. Start your free trial and spin up a WordPress site in a matter of minutes over at spinupwp.com. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Delicious Brainwaves podcast. I'm Ian Paulson, your host today, and I'm joined by Ahmed Hussein. Hey Ahmed. Hey Ian, thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So Ahmed joined uh, joined Delicious Brains in January of this year, which seems actually like a long time ago now, but it, you know, it, you're, you're fresh still. You joined the MigrateDB Pro team, uh, and I guess, yeah, you've been getting pretty stuck into migrate seen as soon as you joined in the middle of the react refactor uh, and you helped launch migrate 2.0 which is awesome um so really because of that and because of the react side of things we're talking about javascript today and yeah it's something that i think is is sort of close to perhaps your heart from a developer point of view um, so I'm going to be not grilling you, but I'm going to be asking some questions. So I'm going to dive into it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely something that it's constantly evolving in the WordPress space, and it's constantly evolving for us as a team. I think because, as I said, we're doing Migrate DB Pro is is a whole new rewrite in 2.0 with React. Uh, Jonesy was on the podcast talking to Brad uh, in episode three, I think, about using Svelte to write the front-end stuff for OME, for Offload Media. And yeah, it's JavaScript is not the same JavaScript as we perhaps knew it when we all started our careers. So yeah, do you want to tell me a little bit about sort of how you got started with JavaScript? Yeah, sure. Well, JavaScript, as we know today, is very different from the JavaScript I knew when I first started. Well, I first started with web development in 2008, and that was much after the actual JavaScript uh, revolution. And it was in a very good state at that time with the jQuery and all the fuzz around it. So um, when I first started, mainly JavaScript for me was using jQuery to do animations and all that cool stuff that basically were not impossible before, but were really hard to do at the time with, with just JavaScript. And I remember when I first started with uh, with JavaScript, uh, it was the time that Google was really pushing for HTML5, and they were leading the development of JavaScript at the time, implementing all the new APIs and all the new fun stuff. And you had to use Chrome to get access to the latest uh, JavaScript features. I remember Chrome and Opera were the two browsers that were supporting most of the new uh, HTML5 and JavaScript features uh, features at the time. Uh, 
and me being very new to to development i didn't know the difference between html5 and javascript at the time they were really mixed together and most of the new html5 features um, actually were dependent on on javascript and the entry point for me was or the learning curve was really really steep and it took me a lot of time to understand how javascript worked all my my uh, experience in programming at that time was just php and php and javascript and how they work is very different because just you can just write javascript and write in the browser without having uh, any of the overhead that you do need for php from web servers and whatnot so it was like a kind of cool language to to learn at the time but still very hard but the community was huge around jquery and people were really pushing for html5 so again so was the resources were were there if you if you really wanted to learn however um yeah as i said that at that at that time in 2008 javascript started its actual revolution in, into what we know javascript today so i was very late to the game but there there were people that were there before me and they um lived during the the hard times of javascript <laughs> yeah it's it, I, I certainly if i think back to 2006 maybe 2000 2005 2006 i remember picking up a book that was you know, learning HTML and it had JavaScript in it, and it was pretty much like vanilla JavaScript and pretty simple. Um, and I'd that was the background I'd come into it, and I hadn't done any server side programming. So I, when I eventually tried to think about putting a website together, I didn't quite get that you had to have a web server. You know, you had to run other. It, it was just all from the front end stuff. Um, but presumably, you so you were just writing vanilla JavaScript and jQuery on top of it. Wasn't there another jQuery competitor at the time? Well, not that I that I knew of at the time. What am I thinking? I'm thinking. I'm thinking of like it used to be a bit of a video VHS versus Betamax sort of contest, and I think obviously jQuery jQuery won out the day. Is it like Mootools or something? Anyway, sorry, that's that's going off topic. I think yeah, Backbone existed at the at the time, yeah. But jQuery was really the the hot stuff then, so still yeah. Because you know it's a fr it's a framework, isn't it? It's built on top of JavaScript. It's all the utilities and the extra yeah. stuff that you can do much easier without learning all the other syntax. And if you if you remember, jQuery was the first framework that has that had that good of documentation that you can go through and actually know what to write and what to do to to get your code working. So. It was it was awesome, and it's not getting the the credit that it actually deserves currently because it's it's yeah it's too late it, now. Yeah, it's not the flavor of the month, is it? It's it's sort of it's seen as real old guard type uh, frameworks. Going back to the JavaScript origins, and because yeah, between both of us, it was a, a way it was around and started well before our times. But the thing that has always tripped me up is. The name, like JavaScript, where's that? What's that all about? You know what I mean? Like it's, I I know of Java, the programming language, but it, I think that's a common thing. People just think it's one and the same. 
yeah, new newcomers to JavaScript always think that JavaScript is part of Java. And that's not entirely wrong. It's part of the history. So this starts a really long time ago. Um, back then when Netscape was still a thing. So we have Mark Andersen, a Netscape communications founder, who had at the time a vision to make the, the web a little bit more dynamic and accessible for people who are not from a programming background. Let, let's say designers, for example. Remember at the time, web the web wasn't as huge as it is right now. So the, the, the entry barrier was really low. You can just, if you are a designer, you can just come and write some HTML and you have a site for your own. So um, they wanted to develop like a dynamic language, a language that would allow the web to become more dynamic. So that way, when uh, Brendan uh, Ike came into into the, the picture and he was assigned the... Um, the task to come up with the, that new language that would allow the web to become more dynamic. And at the time, um, the language was called Mocha. And he actually developed it in just 10 days. They had really tight timeline and they wanted to get it out as, fa as fast as, as possible because they wanted to make a deal with... Uh, son uh, the owner of, of java they wanted to to let's say let's pair java and mocha together and java would be like the big sister that you can develop like big enterprise applications with java and you can use javascript just to like create small uh, interactive web websites or web pages that interact with the with the java applications so they had, as I said, a, a very tight timeline. So he came up with the with the very very first version of uh, what we call now JavaScript, then called Mocha, in, t in ten days. And then they um, closed the deal with uh, with Sun, and um, Mocha was actually uh, part of the uh, Netscape Communicator, the the browser. And if I remember correctly, they called it um, LiveScript. But then when they uh, closed the deal with, with Sun, uh, Sun Enterprise, they then renamed it to JavaScript. So JavaScript, the name actually is uh, owned by Sun. And, and, and that would play into the history a little bit and in the future into why for example, we have now what's called ECMAScript for for the standard organization. So that's why that's basically why JavaScript is called JavaScript. Yeah, that's that's definitely more. I didn't know really any of that in terms of the history and how like you know it's a common misconception, but it's it's the the foundations are there and they sort of were tied together. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, the, the the more interesting thing is actually JavaScript, as we know today, is very close in syntax to how Java is written. If you compare JavaScript code with, with Java code, they look alike very much. And that's, again, also part of the history of then when Sun 
had all the rights to JavaScript and there were no standard standards then. And they, they basically had to uh, make the syntax, syntax look like just like Java to compel new programmers to learn the language. It would be easier. Java then was very, very popular and almost every everyone knew how to write Java and they wanted everyone to use JavaScript. So it was basically simpler for those who already know how to write Java to learn JavaScript if the syntax is, is, is the same. So that's why they went with the, with the current syntax that we know right now. Oh, gotcha. So when that was all, when it was the Mocha project and then it became JavaScript, that was obviously a a group of people building that, like you said, Brendan and um, Brendan Ike. Was there any other, like competing projects? Was there any other sim similar like things going on? Well, then JavaScript, when it, when it was implemented or integrated into the Netscape communicator and it gained a lot of popularity and a lot of people started using it and it actually did its purpose it made the, the web more dynamic and you can remember those days in the 90s with all the bobups and the annoying ads so at the time um there there microsoft was like getting more popular and they were developing their own browser internet explorer which will become in the future the the most known and used and it will uh, browser and it will have the most market share so because uh JavaScript, javascript was basically owned by by sun they they decided to implement their own version of javascript and that's where we see the fragmentation in 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 javascript and implement in if you want support uh, Internet Explorer, for example, you have some differences between JavaScript written in normal browsers and JavaScript written in Internet Explorer. So, yeah, they decided to go that route and implement their own version of JavaScript, and they called it JScript because JavaScript was owned by Sun. And they did a slightly different implementation that, than the one that Sun did, and they had different uh, DOM functions. And that caused a lot of conflicts between Netscape, uh, the Navigator, and uh, uh, Internet Explorer. And we lived the time when we had to made, make our code compatible between uh, all the browsers. And you remember the pain that we had to go through to, to uh, like uh, implement a feature that's compatible with uh, Internet Explorer and all the other uh, browsers. And so we can basically blame Microsoft for all all the harm it did to to JavaScript. Hmm. And I feel like we've been supporting Internet Explorer as an oddity ever since, haven't we? Basically, it's always been that's yeah. been the you know does it work on Internet Explorer six? I just remember that so <laughs> burnt into my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I guess that's yeah caused a bit of confusion for JavaScript in the past then and unsureness but still um a part of the confusion that was caused by, by javascript is as as i mentioned it was created in a, in a very short time and that short time would uh, like constrain you to do things that if you had the time to think about you wouldn't do so basically javascript has some quirks that 
uh, we are basically used to right now. So equality, uh, if you compare strings to uh, numbers, they, if, if they are equal, they are equal. Uh, primitive uh, types versus objects. So if you can, basically, if you declare uh, a, a string inside a quotes and assign it to a variable, that's basically treated as a string object. It's the same thing as a string object. So they didn't differentiate between primitive types and object types. And that caused some confusion. People who are used to writing JavaScript basically live with this as uh, this is the normal but people coming from other languages this is like very confusing it's i mean is that when you talk about the equality side of things is that when is that when people say javascript isn't a type safe language is that yeah. is that the right terminology because other other programming languages are strongly typed is that the right way i guess yeah. to say it? yeah but basically i don't see this as a weakness from JavaScript. And because we work with, with BHP, it's the same story there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it is, JavaScript isn't different from all the other languages out there, but still it is different from all the other languages out there. It's, mm, it's yeah. very unique. And the one quirk that we had to work around for years is the, this keyword and assigning this to that variable to use it inside callbacks and whatnot all mm. all all that fun fun jazz self yeah, yeah self Bar self equals this and all yeah <laughs> but it, i mean I, I to be honest i've always done those hacks because i know i needed to not but i've not known the reason why necessarily in the past like it's i guess that's probably another conversation but that's just one of the limitations of the language that you don't have this sort of the scoping is really mixed or confused yeah and uh, to be honest i didn't know all these quirks about javascript or i didn't know the reasons behind why this isn't accessible inside callbacks what's wrong with that and um, i did not know this until very recently when i decided to start watching courses that uh, actually explain how JavaScript work uh, and behind the scenes. And, and that when it all makes sense, once you know how it works behind the scenes, it start making sense and you start like putting the pieces together and actually you, you um, realize how powerful JavaScript is and how, how powerful you can make your web application using JavaScript. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, with those things in mind, and obviously there is quirks, and it was a very speedily put together project. H how has it evolved over time? Like, what's have there been improvements? Where's it going? And yeah, where's it at? Well, there were a time, as I said, where there are two versions of JavaScript out in the world: what the one that Microsoft did and the one that uh, Sun did. And um, people were starting to have problems implementing their own applications. So an idea uh, was formed that to have uh, an organization that decides the standards for the language. And that way, when they formed the ECMAScript organization, 
and they started uh, writing uh, standards for the language. So um, basically, why ECMAScript is called ECMA, ECMAScript is again because Sun owns the rights for JavaScript, the uh, the name. So they um, they thought about what name to give to, to give the organization. So they went with ECMAScript. So so we're talking ECMA script. Yeah, in capitals. Yeah. Oh, the ECMA. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and I said organization. It's not an organization. It's a, basically a committee of different people, different companies represent the, the, the committee and they sit together and they decide what to do for the next version of, uh, of JavaScript, what, what, which features to implement. And of course, this is not written in stone. You can, you can still see some browsers, Safari, for example, and Chrome. They both do not have to support the exact same set of features uh, at the same time. You know what the the standard says, so there is a, a specific set of features that the browsers could you could choose to implement, and uh, it's known that Chrome is always like the fastest to implement new features in uh, in JavaScript or HTML. So, um, however, when the ECMAScript committee was formed, it basically uh, solved most of the compatibility problems that we have that we had with javascript before so you can now at at uh, our time now we can just write javascript and we can run it on all the browsers and we would expect it to behave the same on all the browsers and and basically does that uh, unless you are using like a very weird api that's not available on on all the browsers but basically whatever the day-to-day tasks that you do, they, they basically work on the on all the browsers. And uh, we have a very uh, popular uh, versions of, of the ECMAScript ECMA uh, standards. We have uh, ES5 and ES6. And the uh, formation of, of the, the ECMA standards uh, for JavaScript basically allowed us to have a very stable version like ES5 that we still transpile to to this day, because it's very stable and we know that all the browsers support it. So when we write ES6 and we use Webback and Babel to transpile our our code, it's transpiled to ES5. So, uh, okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That fills in some missing pieces for me when people sort of throw around ES6, ES5, and I think, yeah, what what actually is that? But it's different uh, JavaScript code that's to a different standard, but it's not available everywhere, but it's retrofitted by things like Babel yeah. to transpile it to something that every every browser will understand. Exactly, yeah. Gotcha. Is, when you talk about differences between ES5 and ES6, is it syntax, syntax differences, or presumably it's not core functions that are different because that can't, unless, I don't know if the, you know, the transpiling and Babel add polyfills or whatnot but you know yeah what typically do you see different between es6 and es5 well you can see in new features like uh destructuring arrow functions promises all the new things that came with uh es6 
Um, so, for example, ES5 doesn't support promises and doesn't have destructuring. So, if you write your code in, in ES6 and you want to run it on an old no, older browser, you need to transpile it to ES5 where they yeah, basically bully fill your code or new features and just make it work with older version of, uh, of JavaScript. And it's just like magic. Yeah, and, that does sound so powerful. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And that was part of the revolution of JavaScript, of how it, it was just a small idea to, to make the, the web a little bit more dynamic to becoming um, like a develop, development power tool at our day now. Because you can think of any anything, any kind of application, you can write in JavaScript. Actually, there is a lot of... Um, uh, CLI command line applications that's written in a node and it's not even related to any like web or JavaScript. It doesn't do any JavaScript or web functionality. It's just a basic, basically a command line tool for whatever, let's say migrating a website, writing JavaScript. So um, it's, it's become very, very powerful. And Again, what led to the point that we that we are right now is uh, after all the, the standard work on uh, JavaScript came Google and their V8 engine. And um, basically, the V8 engine it's what what runs JavaScript behind the scenes in Chrome. Um, and it it was really different. Uh, it um, introduced a very different idea for how to run JavaScript code. So basically, JavaScript is interpreted language. But what the V8 did is it added a just-in-time compiler that compiles JavaScript into a machine code that runs much faster than the, the old uh, way of running JavaScript. So the V8 basically allowed you to, to write high-performance uh, applications using JavaScript. And I would say that where we are right now with JavaScript and all the development tools around JavaScript is the credit should go to the V8. Because V8 allowed tools like Node.js to, to be developed. Node.js would not exist without the V8. Um, so what happened is the developer, the, the Node developer took, uh, because the V8 is basically an open source project, thanks to Google. He took uh, a fork of the V8 uh, engine and wrote the uh, implementation of Node on top of that and allowed, allowed you to now run JavaScript outside of the browser in your command line interface or wherever you want. And if you think about it, that basically what paved the way for tools like Babel, Webpack, React all those to to be as powerful as they are right now, and just think about when we need to build one of our plugins and we we run Yarn in the uh, in the command line, and it what it does it's basically JavaScript all behind the scenes. Mm. Just not run in a browser, run in in with Node.js basically. Yeah, that's that's mad, and I, I've never gone, I've never sort of been 
smart enough to go down the Node.js route and understand what it is, what it gives you, and but it is it's it's app, building applications or building things outside of the browser with yeah. JavaScript. Yeah, and I don't want to go talking about Node, but it's very relevant to the topic that we are talking about. Node is very powerful because of how flexible and dynamic JavaScript is. So basically, Node gives you the all the low-level interactions with your, with your machine. So you have access to all the machine's resources, networking, I.O., everything. And that's basically thanks to how flexible JavaScript is because he basically implemented uh, a bridge layer in the middle that talks to the machine and implemented the APIs in JavaScript. And if it, if it wasn't for how flexible JavaScript is, and if it wasn't for how good the V8 is, that would not be possible. And as I said, you can see now, we have all the div tools in JavaScript. I actually had a full-time job for two years just building mobile applications with JavaScript. So you have JavaScript also running on phones and um, all that thanks to Node because it, it just paved the way for all the diff tools and all the things that happen on, on the background. So same as stuff like Electron to build Mac apps yeah. with JavaScript. Is that the same? That's built off Node? and Ex Yep, exactly. Yeah. Electron and wow. Titanium Accelerator for the phone. React Native, the new the new things. Um, all that is basically just JavaScript behind the scenes. Wow. Does it does it transfer in terms of you know if you're building a mobile app in Titanium? Is it the JavaScript syntax that you know and love? Is it is it is it easy to just to go from building web pages in JavaScript to then moving to that domain? Or is it, it, it you know it, it, does it get more complicated? Obviously, I guess it does, but uh, it doesn't actually. It it's basically the same idea of how Node Node works. It's just an implementation of a lower level APIs in the flavor of JavaScript that you already know. So it's just JavaScript syntax all around, and you don't really care about what happens once you hit that build button. It does all the job for you, but you still write just JavaScript as you know it. And even the React Native is even more powerful than Titanium because basically you build the UI using JSX that you already know and love. And again, you don't really care about what happens in the background when you hit the build button, but all, all your in interface with is just a bunch of JavaScript code. That's yeah. That's mind blowing. How basically everywhere JavaScript is, and nice. Um, I've just got a random question for you to throw in because I think we've talked about it in with the migrate code base. How does TypeScript fit into all of this? Um, well, basically, TypeScript is a subset of JavaScript, so you can write any kind of JavaScript code inside of TypeScript and it would just work. And the the idea behind TypeScript, as the name implies, it just wants to it wants to make JavaScript type safe. You want your JavaScript typed and 
Um, I'm not a huge fan of TypeScript, to be honest. I still prefer the, the, the old JavaScript because of how dynamic and flexible it is. And without all the uh, inheritance stuff and all the inheritance craziness and whatnot. But still, being type safe without all the inheritance is good. And it it basically uh, makes JavaScript compete more with uh, the new languages coming coming to the scene. So still still has ground. Okay, so let's dig into that for a sec. What what other language? Like, what do you mean by that? Other languages that come in around and it's competing with is yeah. What what does that look like? Well, one of the languages that I I can think of right now is Swift. Although it's heavily used by by Apple now, but it basically it can do anything that JavaScript does. And uh, let's think for for a moment what would happen to JavaScript without the uh, the ECMA, ECMAScript committee and without all the standardization? Because if you look at Swift now, for example, and how it's evolving, and then look at JavaScript and how it's evolving, they are just like going in the same, in the same way. And even their syntax looks very, very close. Uh, the features they implement are very close. And why is that is basically you are currently you are a developer writing a web application and then you are you are going to move to write an iOS application. You would expect to f- to find the modern features of a language in whatever language you write. So if JavaScript ha- uh, hadn't gone all, all 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 that way to be where it is right now, another language like Swift could have basically just replaced it. And if it offered more features, like what Swift does, it would have it would have uh, taken over. So and you can see that we have React, for example, on the JavaScript side. Of course React, Vue and Svelte and all the, the frameworks. And on the on the other side, if we take Swift an example as an example, you can see that Swift, for example, has the Swift UI framework for writing UI. And it's very, um, if you come from a JavaScript background, it's very familiar. It would be very familiar for, to you. And you you would fit in because all of the features that's shared between the languages. And that's because basically there's a committee of, of developers that work on other products that decide what kind of features, what kind of uh, syntax that we need to add to the to the language? So it will keep evolving more and more. Yeah, I th- yeah, that's been a really good. Well, uh, for me, who knows little about most things, it's, that's quite a nice history uh, of JavaScript, where it's come from, where it is today. But obviously, you know, we're a WordPress-focused company. And, uh, you know, we've talked already that we've rewritten the migrate uh, WP migrate DB pro 2.0, the front, you know, the, the admin area, the settings is all rebuilt with react and we're rewriting offload media with Svelte. Um, Jonesy's doing that, but I mean, WordPress 
and JavaScript has had its own kind of not not strange history, but but history. There is a there is a rich tapestry to how JavaScript and WordPress's relationships gone on, which I think is worth touching on, um, because I guess when when probably you and me both got into WordPress, it was just jQuery. It was jQuery's the was the you know the utility that was shipped. Uh, there was always issues where people would never use the the bundled jQuery version. They would bundle their own, and you'd have to you'd get all of these conflicts because a theme would be de-enqueuing it and registering their own JavaScript uh, jQuery library. Um, and it, I I don't know whether or not at the time that was just a symptom of the how slow perhaps WordPress core was at updating jQuery versions, and it was always using a very sort of older uh, and and slowly updating version, so people are always like oh, I need to do it the latest. Let's just register it from the CDN or whatever. Um, but there, then there was a point where I think there was a lot of front end work being done to core for the media library, where they just thought, do you know what jQuery is probably not the best route, and the flavor of the month back then was Backbone, right? I don't know. It, I can't even think when this was. Was it? 2015? No, that seems still seems too new. Um, but yeah, do, uh, uh, do you did you use Backbone? Do you have a, like any experience of it? Honestly, I, I haven't. <laughs> all my experience with, with all JavaScript and WordPress were was just jQuery. That was every you you can do with jQuery anything you can imagine so um, the only interaction with backbone that I can recall is interacting with the media library and that's yeah it. 2013 yeah sorry yeah that's that's the same I think for me I mean it definitely is the only place that got touched in core was the media library when it was rewritten in 2013 I think um, for me as well, I slightly more involved and touched Backbone a little bit more than perhaps I wanted to when I was doing work, uh, plugin development and add-on work for Ninja Forms, and they rewrote Ninja Forms 3.0 entirely on Backbone. They went they went all in on what what, what they thought WordPress was going all in on, um, and it, you know it worked and it, it, it's a, it's a great UI and it, it it served the purpose, but WordPress didn't go all in on Backbone, and you know the media library is is a piece of i guess it's a piece of technical debt really when you think about how now we're in in react world there's the the block editor gutenberg as it as it is and was well as it was and as it is a, as a plugin gutenberg is all react and i guess <laughs> going back to the ninja forms we've now done the same thing we've gone all in on react with um the the, the migrate build but I guess let's just talk about that for a sec. The migrate build, rebuild, refactor wasn't so much like the need to rebuild because it was WordPress's flavor of the month. We were doing refactoring and our jQuery was just, I mean, it, there's a certain thing where these frameworks like Vue.js, Backbone, I mean, maybe not Backbone as much, but React, even Angular, going back to when that was popular in Ember, there's reasons why these frameworks are are better suited for certain tasks than 
jQuery, for example. Like jQuery, you know, if you've got a, a state managed application, jQuery doesn't work. So you have a lot of have you have to do a lot of work and a lot of extra coding to make it uh, make it do what you want and bend to your will, kind of thing. But the stuff that you get with React and uh, Vue, for example, Vue.js, out of the box for state management and just being a dynamic and um, reactful applications are they they make it fit for purpose, which is why we chose React, I guess, to do the things that we do in Migrate now. Um, how are you finding that since you've come on board and obviously had that period of working on 2.0 before it was launched and now launching it, and now we're, we're well, we're in the middle of a, the next release, which is adding new features with React. Like, how do you find that? Well, I know React isn't getting as much love as, as it used to, but actually, I uh, I still love React. I still love the community, the large community behind React. And you mentioned that yeah, writing uh, a state managed application with jQuery is basically impossible to do right now. And it was basically impossible to do back then. You 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 couldn't uh, manage a state with jQuery, or you you could, but you as you said. You need, you would need to do a lot of work to do so, so it wasn't the, the go-to approach to do a, a state managed application with jQuery, and if I remember correct correctly back then when people decided to do that they were not using jQuery they were using just vanilla JavaScript, um, and with the introduction of React and all the the new frameworks, it revolutionized the web, and you can see that in basically like like a web application that we are using right now to record this podcast that would not have been possible with uh, with jQuery you you needed to have a state managed application that uses react or any of the of the of the new frameworks that can manage the state and how that ties with with wordpress basically wordpress never been like very good with with javascript even with the introduction of the Gutenberg block editor because yeah I have a lot of opinions about that and maybe that's that's a good thing that's a good thing that allows plugin developers to hook in whatever framework whatever tool they would like to to use in their application into WordPress so they are, they are not forcing you to use jQuery for example they are not forcing you to use their own embedded jQuery version you can bring your own and just use it. Yeah, that's. I think that's a that's an interesting point, isn't it? Even though WordPress is is chosen React for the block editor for Gutenberg, it's not it's not a choice that they're enforcing on everybody. Like there's there's WordPress plugins. One of my own WordPress plugins has Vue.js as what drives its settings page and and the interactions and the modals and all of that stuff. And yeah, it's you can bring your own. It doesn't matter what you're using. It it it's whatever works for you. And I guess it was. Well, here's a question: Would would you? Well, I think you probably answered it by saying that you you're a big React fan. But would you rebuild if you were doing Migrate 2.0 today from scratch? Would you still choose React? Yeah, sure, I would. Yeah. Um, I know Svelte is the is the new hotness. Thinking that's good. Yeah, Svelte is the new hotness, but. 
but Svelte's different now, and and uh, you know, I, I I did listen to the podcast when Jonesy was on with Brad, and I have looked into it, but it's not the same thing because it it compiles what you write into just vanilla HTML and JavaScript, by the sounds of it. So it's it's still uh, impressive what you can do with it, and it's still a framework as such that allows you to do reactive things and. Um, well, en- enough to power a UI that's actually quite complex when you think of offload media with storage providers and the settings and the tools and all of the things that, that are happening in the, the settings page. But it sort of comes out the, it comes out the shoot at the end quite simple and quite nicely compiled. Uh, and I think, I think Jonesy's enjoying using it and getting to grips with it. But again, it's, right, it's the right thing for the right tool and perhaps... You know, that, that it's, React still could work fine for the offload media one, but it's more of a choice, and it's nice to have the choice. Well, we can basically say the same about React, that it it comes nice and packed at the other side. So basically, even though React applications are huge, MigrateDB, the JavaScript code base for 2.0 is huge, and we have a lot of components and maybe that's the power of, of, of React. That's the power of, of using, of having a reusable components. Um, put whatever component you want in your application and just pass in the state and you, you have access to the, the global state of the application that any other component has access to. It's just basically, yeah, like magic. You can do, and you can see the, the how powerful MigrateDB 2.0 UI is and all the moving parts and um, progress bars and whatever, you can see uh, how much work went into that and how that was basically facilitated by using React. And it, it, would, it would be impossible if we were just still using jQuery or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and because, like I said, we're we're pretty much at the back end of the next release that we're doing, two point one, um, and we've had discussions like Brad with you, with Matt, with Pete, all the way through the refactor, just thinking like, is this? There's a lot. There's a ton of work that's gone into it. Is it? Was it the right call? Could we? Could we have done it differently? Would it have been? Because it took a while to get two point out. You know, we're aware of that. We accept that. We don't beat around the bush with it, but. The proof of if it was a successful refactor is now how easy is it to add new features? Because the biggest, the issue that drove the refactor was the spaghetti jQuery. So I guess from your point of view, you've just, you've implemented new features, you and Phil. How easy was that? Now it's React. Well, all I can say is we pushed four releases in two months and we are about to push our uh, fifth release, I think, or maybe that's the fourth. Uh, and uh, it didn't take as much time as it took to get 2.0 out of the door. Because why, for my opinion is, why 2.0 took this long is because you had to deal with legacy code on the back end and on the front end. So you, you had to convert all that around to working with the with, with the new front end uh, and React. And uh, you can see that, for example, we were just speaking of how WordPress ties with JavaScript. 
we moved all uh, our uh, Ajax calls from using the WB uh, admin Ajax to using REST APIs. And that, of course, on the back end is, is a lot of work to do. So, but right now, implementing new fe new features, it just, it, it's a breeze. And you can see with, uh, with the new features we are preparing for 2.1, it didn't take much time. Well, this is it. I think that's the you know the, one of the, the one of the features for two point one is the regex search and replace or find and replace, should I say? Um, and hopefully by the time this this airs, this podcast, it will be out. And but I think yeah, even just knowing that the hard the hard work that went into the refactor, trying to implement that regex functionality in the find and replace logic and the find and replace jQuery would have been tricky but i i feel like especially watching your pr that you were building you stubbed that out pretty quickly with react you know adding stuff to the components and then changing the back end logic but making changes to the front end seemed a lot easier with react and the component uh the the structure and the format yeah we basically got the front end done in a, in, a, in one day and that was the first thing done in that task and what took most of the time was just um, getting the back end to play along with the with the front end. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is the proof in the pudding. I think that is a, a, it's a good good to see, and it is like you say fourth release since two point It's just good to see that speed of of getting things shipped and and having speed from a release point of view, but speed and happiness from a developer point of view that. You know, it's it, it's it's the right decision. Um, I think the only thing with React that slightly concerns me, but even though going through the history of jQuery, it's everything has been tied to these big companies, to to Sun, to into to Microsoft, to Google with V8, um, and React is obviously a Facebook product. It's a Facebook thing, and I. I was just googling earlier just to look when the media library was rewritten in Backbone, which is 2013. But I came across uh, a WP Tavern post in 2017 of when WordPress abandons React due to patents clause and Gutenberg to be rewritten with a different library. I mean, this is this is like a window and in, into an alternate universe because this never happened. They got they ch they changed what they needed to get changed and they backed down and they 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 went back to the React decision. So. Like wow! Imagine that 20, September twenty seventeen. Where would we be now if they'd have gone down that fork in the road, so to speak, and had to rewrite Gutenberg in Vue.js? Effectively, would have been like it's it's crazy. But I guess that's going back to the original concern of the Facebook stuff. That is the thing. You're tied to a license. You're tied to a business. You're tied to another con like a conglomerate who is you know Facebook aren't the nicest player in the internet space. They they have their, you know, their problems and their issues and their and their uh, criticisms. But does do you, do you see any worry in that when we we've tied our horse to React from a migrate point of view? WordPress is doing it, or or is it embedded enough now that it's the same as when Google did V8? We're happy because it's it's a positive thing. It's a positive net thing. Yeah. Well, you can see from that brief history of JavaScript that it being tied to a big company it being and any other tool being tied to a big company like v8 for example you need resources you need money to get such big projects done and 
let's imagine there's just like an independent developer working on V8. It wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't come out to the world as fast as it did, and it would not be as good as it did, and it would, and it would not have become as popular as it as it as it did because they basically don't have the resources to do so. But Google does, and it had everyone using. I remember when Chrome came out. I'm still a Chrome user. I know a lot of people with all the Google privacy issues are now moving away from Chrome. But Chrome is my browser of choice because of how good it is with developer tools. It, it just works for developers. And that was, that was the story. That was the same story for day one when Chrome came out. It was good for web developers. And that could not have been possible if it, if it wasn't tied to a big company because they basically just had their resources to do so. Yeah. And, and interestingly, looking at Backbone.js seems to be a, you know, it's come from a single developer. It obviously has a community around it, yeah. but it doesn't have the same level of backing. And, you know, projects, they don't, they don't live on. It's, yeah, it's, it, it's needed to keep projects having longevity to have those kind of big big company backers yeah, yeah. well i'll I tell you what i'm i'm more i have got more knowledge about javascript than i ever have um so i'm appreciative of, of that history and it's nice to nice to chat wordpress history and um and, and just to yeah just just to kind of talk around how it, it's working with migrate and it's just nice to hear and nice to think about the better place we're in uh, now 2.0 is out the door. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for coming on the podcast, Ahmed. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And and as always, thanks for listening. Um, I don't even know if we've got any comments or any ratings on podcast podcast.deliciousbrains.com, but if you've got any comments about the episode, please hit us up on Twitter um, or just, yeah, get in touch Ahmed, where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ahmed Geek and basically everywhere the same uh, at Ahmed Geek. Nice. Yeah, and I'm at Povot Web on Twitter and obviously you can hit up Delicious Brains. We'll put the Twitter link in the show notes because it's missing a few vowels. Um, but yeah, we will see you again with another episode soon, probably another host and another co-host. And thanks for listening and thanks, Ahmed. Cheers for now.